What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about your metabolism and this concept of boosting your metabolism and if that's even actually a real thing. And this topic and episode was kind of inspired by a conversation that I had earlier this week when I was on a coaching call with a client and she asked, how can other people at her size eat more calories than she does and not gain weight? And I love this question because it's something that more people are starting to talk about. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, asking about the upper end of your calorie range instead of always trying to cut calories, it's really a good step in the right direction. I think more people need to ask themselves that questions at the end of the day. So if you're listening to this episode and you're asking yourself, like, how can I eat more calories and get to a higher range? I think that's a really good start. And it's a really good mindset to be in. And it's always better than just trying to eat as little as calories as possible. So as we dive in here, I think it's important that we talk about like what your metabolism is and what, what makes up your metabolism. And this really comes down to something called your total daily energy expenditure, or you might see it abbreviated as TDEE sometimes. And total daily energy expenditure can really just be referred to as your maintenance calorie range as well, which is a concept that a lot of people might resonate with a little bit more, um, which it's essentially the amount of calories that your body burns on a daily basis. And there's, there's different factors that make up your daily energy expenditure. And the first is your BMR, which is your basal metabolic rate. And this is essentially the amount of calories that your body burns at rest. And it can be influenced by your body size and your muscle mass and how old you are and your gender and how much you weigh or how tall or how short you are. It's essentially how many calories it takes to keep the lights on in your body if you didn't do anything throughout the day. Like you just literally laid in bed all day and just digested and had your heart pumping and like that's it, right? Like how many calories it takes to keep you alive each day. Next up is our NEAT, which stands for our non-exercise activity thermogenesis which is essentially all the movement that you get in throughout the day, excluding the time spent intentionally exercising. And this is movement like chewing or tapping your foot or blinking or walking or doing chores or cleaning the house or cooking or working, like literally any movement that your body makes throughout the day when you're not intentionally exercising, which Brings us to our third factor when it comes to our metabolism, which is our EAT or our exercise activity thermogenesis, which you guessed it. It's the, uh, it's the calories that you burn exercising throughout the day or, or throughout the week, however many times you spend exercising in the gym or going on a run or whatever form of activity that you do intentionally. And people tend to think that this is always kind of the make or break thing when it comes to boosting our metabolism. And this is also when I see a lot of people getting caught up in this idea of, you know, the more calorie burn that you get from your exercise, like the better that that exercise is for you, which yes, exercising and getting workouts in like that's part of the equation, but it's not the only thing. And, and we'll talk more about this kind of throughout the show today. But lastly, I want to talk about our thermic effect of food, which is the amount of calories that it takes to, to digest the food that you're eating. And I need to give protein a big shout out here because protein has the highest thermic effect. If we compare it to the other two macronutrients, the carbs and fats, protein is going to take more energy, more calories to, to break down those proteins, amino acids, and digest that and absorb that 
compared to carbs and fats if we were to compare all three macronutrients. So all these things together is what creates our daily energy expenditure or our metabolic rate. And yes, this can vary from day to day and it's not an exact number necessarily that's going to stay the same, but it's generally a range of a couple hundred calories that can be fairly consistent week to week and month to month, depending on your current body and your lifestyle and and the goals that you're working towards. And if we look at the fitness and, and nutrition industry as a whole, like there's a ton of buzzwords out there. But one I've been seeing a lot of lately is, is this idea of boosting your metabolism. And that's kind of the, the claim that you'll see on magazine covers or Dr. Oz or Instagram or you know, Facebook ads or you know, wherever you consume your content from. And this is really the question that we're trying to answer today because you might be listening right now and be thinking, how can I eat more food while maintaining my weight? Or how can I you know, eat more food without gaining weight at the end of the day? Or if you're comparing yourself to other people, like you might be asking something like, like, why can this person who's at my relative, you know, height, weight and age, like, how can they eat more than I do? And how is this even possible? And I wanted to start this episode off by defining like what your metabolism actually is and what it's made up of, because that's super fundamental as we start to go over some of the different reasons to why people can eat more than you or or why you can eat more than your friends and family members and, and the people who have those fast metabolisms. Like we all know that person who just can eat everything and, you know, not gain weight because of it. So if we look back at kind of the four components that make up our metabolism, we have our BMR, the thermic defect of food, we have our NEAT, and we have our exercise activity. And honing in on, on BMR first here, in order to boost or, or increase our basal metabolic rate, we really only have two options. The first option is to physically gain weight. It's that simple. And you might be listening to this and shaking your head because that's not what most people want to do. Most people listening are trying to do the opposite, which is trying to eat more without gaining weight. So needless to say, like this first option isn't always a, it's, a, it's not a fan favorite. But BMR fundamentally comes down to your size or your height and weight. So if you were to change your weight, you'd have a higher BMR if you gained weight or you'd have a lower BMR if you lost weight. And the second influence that, you know, we can have on BMR would be we could change our body composition. So at any given height and at any given weight, you can have more muscle mass and less body fat at our at a particular body weight. So this really can emphasize the importance of building muscle and and body recomposition and just having more muscle on your frame in general. And not to mention, you know, just having more muscle is great for literally every health marker that you can think of, let alone your quality of life and your independence and just how your body looks overall. But to be honest, like, yes, the more muscle that you have, technically the more calories that you can burn on a daily basis but it's pretty negligible in the grand scheme of things. I mean, if we're talking, if we're talking about maybe you're sitting here at 150 pounds and you lost five or 10 pounds of fat and you gained five to 10 pounds of muscle, like maybe we're talking about an extra 50 to 70 or 80 calories a day, maybe. And that's, that's, that's to also say like, that's a huge overhaul and that's, that's a time commitment that that takes a long time to do. So yes, having more muscle is a good thing and it can benefit your life in so many ways. But I don't want you to think that you're going to be burning hundreds of more calories per pound of muscle that you have. Just doesn't really play it like that. 
So honestly, as we go through more things, we're going to kind of go through my list that I have here. There are a few things that we can do to technically help boost our metabolism. But you're going to realize that this is kind of an anticlimactic, you know, episode and realization. And there's really no fancy or magical ways to, to quote unquote, boost your metabolism. And honestly, your genetic potential is going to be a huge player as we start to explore that realm of things as well. But kind of moving on to the thermic effect of food. Technically, you can boost the amount of calories that you burn while digesting the food if you transition to a higher protein diet if you're not already eating one. And I say technically yes, it's because similar to the calorie burn from muscles, this increase in calorie burn from digestion can be super small and it's probably only meaningful if you go from eating a super low protein diet to, to super high protein diet while eating the same amount of calories. But again, it's, it's fairly negligible and, and most people don't really fall into this category. And the last couple parts that I want to talk about are one, our subconscious movement coming from our NEAT, which isn't something that we have a lot of control over. And two, our conscious movement in the form of intentional exercise and movement throughout the day or throughout the week. So the biggest, I guess, two ways that you can improve your metabolism is by boosting your BMR, which you can do that by gaining weight, which again, that's not something that everybody's raising their hand to volunteer for. And it leaves us with our last option, which is to move more. And I don't think that this is shocking anybody, right? But if, you, if you're relatively sedentary right now and you're working out one to, to two times a week and you're getting 4,000 steps in per day, you could 100% boost your metabolism and burn more calories by upping your exercise to three or four times a week, five times a week, and by getting 8,000 to 10,000 steps a day. But if you're already working out four to six times per week and, and you're hitting 10,000 plus steps consistently per day, like would going to seven workouts per week and 15,000 steps per day, like would that be better? Man, I'm going to answer probably not, right? Because a lot of times the people that are working out that much and moving that much are one, professional athletes that are following a plan and who are exercising for a living or two, you know, this person is sometimes the person who's overtraining and, and a lot of times underfueling, who's also deathly afraid of gaining weight or maybe they're scared to eat because they've been so conditioned into thinking that their body runs on less calories and that low calorie diets are the answer to, to the dream body that they're working so hard for. But normally, if somebody's getting more than 14,000 steps, 15,000 steps per day, and if that same person is asking how they can continue to boost their metabolism more, like there's likely something else that they could probably be doing to to improve their metabolism in another way. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, to that same person, like you should try and just get 18,000 steps instead. Like that's what we're missing because that's probably not the the answer to to what they're looking for. So more often than not, like we can focus on the other parts of, of this equation. We can talk about protein consumption or we can talk about type of training and we talk about muscle development and body recomposition or maybe explore different calorie ranges and, and increase calories for a period of time. And we can kind of look at weight and biofeedback and we can commit to that for a period of time. But if you're sitting here and you're asking yourself, like, how can this person eat X amount of calories per day? And why is it that I have to eat less or I can't eat as much and I have less wiggle room compared to that person? It, it likely comes down to 
number one, that person that you're comparing yourself to is probably moving more than you do. And that person is likely moving more than you think they are moving. And if you figure out that you're averaging 6,000 steps per day and, and the person that you're comparing yourself to is closer to 12,000, 13,000 steps per day, like that's probably the difference between your calorie range and theirs. And, and the second one, maybe it's kind of harsh and somewhat insensitive, but oftentimes people are comparing themselves and their average calorie ranges and the things that they're doing to fitness professionals or athletes who are meticulously tracking their food and have been tracking their food for two to 10 years and, and for decades. And they've been super consistent and accurate over time. And, and that same person that's comparing themselves to those people is the same person who's, you know, maybe not as consistent with their tracking or if they're training or are they even aware of what they're doing on the day to day or weekend to weekend kind of basis. And I find that a lot of time this comparison stems from social media and, and following your favorite influencer or bodybuilder when they post those, you know, terrible posts of like what I eat in a day or they post on their story, like the meals that they eat in the day and how many calories they eat. And people find themselves asking themselves questions like, like why can she eat 2,400 calories and I'm stuck here at 1,500 calories? The first question that you need to ask yourself before going forward is like, are you actually eating in the calorie range that you think you're eating in? Or are you eating 1,500 calories on Monday and Tuesday and maybe loosely tracking, you know, towards the end of the week and, and then you forget to track sometimes on the weekend? Like, is that a legit 1,500 calories per day or is that what you're telling yourself? And no, I'm not saying that you should be super obsessed, obsessed and on point all the time, but we need to compare apples to apples. And when you start to ask yourself some more of these, uh, like, thought-provoking questions, you can sometimes start to see a disconnect with the person and, and the calorie range that you're comparing your current situation to. So let's do, before we move on, let's do a little mini recap on everything we've talked about because we're going to be talking about genetics here in a second, which probably has the biggest influence on your metabolism. But so far, we've talked about the four components that make up your total daily you know, energy expenditure um, and the things that we have somewhat control over, which is our BMR, the thermic defect of food, your NEAT, and your exercise. And the things that we can control when we're trying to, you know, quote unquote, boost our metabolism are one, intentionally gaining weight, which isn't something that we necessarily want. Like most people want to maintain their weight and they want to eat more at the same time. And they don't want to gain weight by eating more, uh, you know, at the end of the day. So the other option that they have is just to be more active. And then we have the idea of building more muscle and eating more protein, which honestly are things that most people should be doing anyway. But when it comes to increasing our calorie output, eating more protein and, and having more muscle aren't as impactful as, as moving more and gaining weight if we were to compare the outputs of everything. Now, the rest of this metabolism boosting argument is, is going to come down to your genetic potential and your genetic ability to upregulate your metabolism in response to more food. And this brings up kind of a landmark study that I, I always like to talk about and it just blows my mind every time I think about it, but it's super important. It's super relevant. Um, but the study that they essentially fed people in a metabolic ward, which means it was super tightly controlled and um, super regulated. And these people had their metabolism actually tested in the lab and they essentially determined their maintenance calories and they added like a thousand calories on top of that for a period of time. And 
you had these people eat for a period of time, a thousand calories over their predicted maintenance calorie range. And they saw that some people, when they were fed a thousand more calories over their predicted maintenance calorie range, like they didn't gain any weight at all. Well, compared to some other people, some people gained more weight than you would have expected for that person for that time period. So this essentially tells us that we have this massively wide spectrum on how people respond to eating more food. And if we circle this back to calculating your own maintenance calorie range with online calculators, or maybe you're working with a coach and, and they spit out a starting you know number or calorie range, I need you to remember that it's only a starting point and it's not perfect and it's it's never going to be a magic number that's end all be all and just to make sure i hit this one home for you like imagine yourself figuring out your maintenance calorie range whether you go online and use tdcalculator.net or using some other equation let's say your results say 2000 calories and you immediately start eating 3000 calories and over time nothing happens like your weight doesn't move at all that literally happened to people and yes there are hundred percent like some of the outliers from that study and the results probably had more of a bell-shaped curve associated with it like there are some outliers on both ends of the spectrum and most people fell in the middle but understanding that there are outliers is super important because it forces you to find out these things for yourself and it forces you to kind of do your own trial and error so when we bring back this idea of you comparing your calorie range to somebody else you might be comparing your calories to somebody who's the genetically elite right or that top one percent So not only are you comparing your numbers to somebody who likely moves more than you, um, you're comparing yourself to somebody who probably tracks and is more consistent than you, but you're also comparing your, your genetic potential to somebody else too. And that person might have a more adaptive metabolism than you. And more often than not, those are the people that we see on social media who are shredded and toned and who live on that far side of the bell curve, which... Most people that we look up to in the fitness space are these fitness professionals who do this for a living, right? And they do it because everything is easier for them and it's just what they're good at. And a lot of times it's their main priority and it's their only focus in life is looking good in, in showing that lifestyle for, for people and their followers. And when we talk about how these people with super adaptive metabolisms are able to kind of adjust to these different calorie ranges, Essentially, that difference is coming from the subconscious upregulation of NEAT, which again is subconscious movement. And I'll use myself as an example for this. Like my maintenance calorie range, if I were to go to those calculators and to do my equation stuff, like counting for my activity and my height and my weight and my age, all the things, like I probably would get a number anywhere from like 2,900 calories to 31 or 3,200 calories. But after experimenting with this for a couple years now, like, I honestly don't really gain weight when I eat 3,200 calories or 3,400 calories. Like sometimes it takes me closer to 3,600 calories and and sometimes 4,000 calories to be able to gain weight steadily and gain a half a pound a week. And honestly, same goes for losing weight. Like I think the last time I did a cut was a couple years ago and three years ago. And I had to get down to like 2,000 calories, 1,900 calories for the scale to drop. But you think about it like that's a 1500 to 2000 calorie swing and and honestly i wouldn't know that unless i experimented with it but that means my metabolism is is pretty adaptive and honestly that pertains to me and my situation and not anybody else and i have a client honestly that's similar build similar size similar age as me and and it takes him 3000 calories to gain weight compared to me trying to eat closer to 4000 
But the point I'm driving at is that we're all different. And depending on our movement and our body size and our dieting history and especially our genetics, like we're all going to have different starting points and different potential. And I share my personal experience not to piss you off, but it's because I've lived it and I'm that fitness professional that you're comparing yourself to. But that's another reason that I don't, I don't share those numbers and that data on Instagram and on my stories. Like I don't like to do those stupid what I eat in a date posts because they're really not that helpful. Like my activity, my training, it's probably different than you. And my genetics are different and my lifestyle, my environment is different. But what I want you to understand is there is some hard work that needs to be done when finding out your own calorie ranges and and what your upper and what your lower end of, of maintenance calorie range is. So what is the point of talking about all this? I, I know we started this conversation by asking the question of like, how can I eat more and not gain weight? And how can I, how can I boost my metabolism? Which yeah, like that's the million dollar question. And the idea of eating more food and being at a lighter body weight, like 100%, that sounds better on paper. And if you look at your lifestyle objectively, honestly, and trying not to compare yourself to others, if at the end of the day, if you're living a life where you feel satiated and you're satisfied and you're not always super food focused and if you're not constantly looking at all the things and the calories that you can't have, like who cares if somebody else is 300 more calories than you or if they're eating 300 more calories than you? Like how can we make your calorie range work for you because you might feel just as satiated and satisfied at 1,900 calories when compared to that other person who's eating 2,300 calories? And if we were to talk about appetite and, and how satiated you are and, and at the end of the day, like how satisfied you feel after your meals, like there's a ton of different factors and variables that play into that. Things like your sleep and your stress and training and your recovery and, and your daily movement. Sometimes people would benefit more by asking themselves how they can get more sleep at night and how they can have better stress management strategies rather than just justifying the empty calories that they eat after a super stressful day at work. And I'm, I'm sure you realize this by now, but there's a lot of factors that can play into your calories in and, and your calories out. And in order to start the conversation, I think it's important that you just find out what your TDE is. Like go to tdecalculator.net or Precise Nutrition as a good calculator and, and just see what numbers you get. Like what ranges do you get? That number that you get might scare the shit out of you or it might surprise you. But the best way to start is just to get a general range, stick with that for a month and just make adjustments from there. And this is honestly what I tend to do with most of my clients when we start working together usually it's a combination of having them track their food for a week or two and then we compare those averages that they've you know have typically been at and we compare that to the maintenance calorie range that I came up with so maybe we find out that you're eating 14 or 1500 calories consistently for a couple weeks and when I calculate your maintenance calorie range it's it's closer to 21 or 2200 calories so we increase you to 1900 or maybe 2000 calories like sometimes you know, my clients, but people in general, they have this illusion that they boosted their metabolism or they're reverse dieted when in reality, like this is the calorie range that you could have potentially been at the whole time or that was your threshold from the start. So if you're sitting here stressed out about what you need to do, take a step back and, and find out what your maintenance range is and track your calories, be consistent, play detective, 
know, experiment a little bit so you can find out what your upper and lower calorie ranges are. Because I hate to say it, there's no exact way to find out like what your body can and can't adapt to unless you try it, unless you stick with that for, for a period of time. I'm going to end this here. Um, I hope this helped and I hope you can take away a couple things from this episode, but until next time, remember to eat with a purpose, train with intention and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. My friends, I'll talk with you soon. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.